So welcome to Grafted Jewish Roots of Christianity. Today, I'm excited to have Dr. Barry Seif. She is an instructor, an author, and a theologian. She has been an associate professor and director of online teaching effectiveness with Grace Christian University. She has worked as an online adjunct faculty member at several universities. She holds a PhD in biblical studies from Trinity Theological Seminary, and she also earned her MBA from Amherton University. She is the author of five devotionals. So welcome. I'm so glad we were able to to get our schedules together and talk. Thank you for being here. Shalom, and and great to meet you, Stephanie, over over the uh, virtual. Yeah, she's in Texas, and I'm in Ohio, so a little bit of a distance, but a little bit different weather, too. (laughs) Yes, it's always great to meet a thirsty student, and uh, that's what we all are. Mm -hmm. We are. It's so fulfilling to be able to talk with people who are like-minded, you know, and like I had mentioned, sometimes I can get a little winded, but when I'm talking to somebody who, oh my gosh, tell me more, or or I can learn from them and we can go back and forth. Um, I think it's just very fulfilling in my own life. I love other teachers because I love to learn. So I love speaking to teachers. So thank you. Oh boy, where do we start? Because there's so much I'd like yeah. to, to bring up. Amen. So why don't you give us a little bit more of your background? And then I'd like you to include a little bit of about your books too as well. I'll share my testimony because that's always awesome. the reason why I'm here and you're here. But I was born in Kansas City uh, and I have three brothers younger. My dad was raised in the Orthodox faith. My mom reformed. We were raised Jewish, you know, Hanukkah, Passover, uh, when dad, dad, I mean, he was raised in an Orthodox home, the dietary laws, going to the synagogue. Uh, but when he went into the service and they put a ham sandwich in front of him, he thought, well, I'll either eat this and be bad or not eat it and starve. So he ate it and he liked it. So when he married my mom, uh, we didn't have the dietary laws at all, just at my grandma's house. And uh, so that was how we were raised. Um, I was taught that Jesus was a good man, maybe a prophet, but not born of a virgin, not uh, res- you know, uh, died for my sins and not resurrected. So this is how I was taught. But I do remember looking for Jesus's name in my Sunday school books. I never found it. I would watch um, Jesus Christ Superstar, The Robe, Bible movies. I did have a, a seeking heart. And so after college, and I just tell people that my moral compass was broken. I got relocated to Dallas, Texas in my job, and I was just lost. And in January 1980, I was selling copiers in North Dallas, and um, there were these really nice men with whom I gave a presentation. The next day I went in, say, you know, you decide on my copier or whatever, And they said, no, but let's go to lunch. I said, okay, my cousins have a deli around the corner. And one of the men, uh, Paul said, well, um, what, what religion are you? And I said, well, I'm Jewish. And he said, well, so is Larry, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed. And I said, what? You know, funny, you don't look Jewish, which is what a Jew will say to another, you know, Jew if they don't look Jewish. 
unless it's obvious they had a nose job and you know colored the hair or whatever. But anyway, he was true blonde hair, blue eyed. Mm-hmm. You could tell. And he said, yeah, I'm a messianic Jew. This is January 1980. I said, oh, what? You know, because I knew there was conservative, orthodox and reform. And he says, yeah, I'm a born again Jew. And I said, oh, is that like that location here in Dallas where there is a, it was a Messianic congregation. And that's where Zola Levitt office with a cross, the star of David and the fish, which I thought was sorority sign because it had the Greek letters in it. And he said, yeah, that's, that's what it's about. I said, well, tell me about it. So over lunch in my cousin's deli, he shared his own testimony and one Bible verse, Isaiah 53, verse six. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned his own way, but the Lord has taken the iniquity of us all in him. And I got saved. That little light went on and I never was the same. And that was in January of 1980. My life just really changed. Um, he shared, I said, well, what do I say to my father? And he said, in Luke 18, it says, whoever forsakes mother, father, sister, brother in this life shall inherit many blessings and in the life to come everlasting life. And that did it for me. We went to his office. They lent me a Bible. They prayed for me. I went to my car and I said, okay, God, I'm from Missouri. Show me. And that was really my way of surrendering to the Lord. And my life just changed. And, um, it just radically changed. And I was like you, I just couldn't get enough of the Bible. I didn't know the hymns. I mean, there's still a couple hymns, you know, they might call them out in some place of worship. I don't know. Um, uh, I just, I hungered for the word. I would go to a Messianic congregation on Friday night and a church on Sunday, usually a Bible church, just hungered for the word. And then, and my life slowly turned around. I became um, a navigator, uh, two seven, which is rooted and grounded in him. And the program was based on four aspects of Bible study, scripture, memory, fellowship, uh, and, uh, witnessing. And it was a two year commitment. There wasn't any room for me. And there were 36 people enrolled. And I said, God, if you open that up, I'll commit to the two year commitment. And sure enough, Somebody dropped out and out of 36, four of us finished. So that was really a defining point in my life that I could set my mind to something and do it. And then I did an MBA because I didn't marry. Um, I'm 69 and at age 62, I married. So I had a lot of years to be single, to learn uh, when the book Experiencing God came out, I was an on the road sales rep. I did that for over 20 years, building materials. I couldn't commit to going to a location every week, Monday night or whenever it meant, but I could commit to doing the Bible study. So I did experiencing God on my own. You know, I went on, got my MBA. Um, and then, um, and then I was sharing with you about that, that Bible. When I was in Shreveport, Louisiana, I was amazed at the way this, this teacher could, to, could teach the Bible on a Sunday. And I said, what, what Bible are you using? And he told me the Hebrew Greek key study Bible. And so I went out and got one. And, um, this is Micah and you can see like the strong numbers and it goes uh, with explanation to the back and it just, you know, it used to be monochrome. Mm-hmm. Now it's technicolor. Um, it, it just 
that really uh, expanded because it was Hebrew and Greek, the original language. That enhanced right. um, the same gentleman, Zodiades, also has a dictionary. I have it over here in my library, but it's only Old Testament. It's this, but even expanded more Old Testament and New Testament. So I, what else am I going to do with my time? You know, I didn't go clubs. I didn't do any of that. I just kind of spent time with the Lord. And, you know, wow. the Lord says in Matthew that, you know, you go into your prayer closet and you pray in secret and God will bring forth your light. Uh, and that's what he did with me. I mean, if, if I hadn't married Jeff Seif, I'd still be at home studying. You know, God has purpose for it. God never wastes what we do for him, especially when it's in the closet secretly with him. So, so, you know, and through that, um, you know, came the devotional on the name because being Jewish, you know, this is um, so good. That is so good. And I'm trying to get Hashem, you know, that's what it is. And when the Jews say Baruch Hashem, bless the name, that's what this is. And so I had just begun to, um, you know, collect names like Living God. El Chai, with the transliteration, with the Bible verse uh, below and a little devotional prayer, because um, this is the way the Lord ministered to me. And, I, and I've and i always, and that's what's neat about being married to Jeff. We can say Jesus. We can say Yeshua. We can say Christ. We can say Messiah. It doesn't matter. We just want them to call on the Lord. And so um, the only prayer request I've ever really had in my life was that my family table would be filled at the marriage supper of the lamb. That's my prayer for any corporate time that I ever pray or pray, because that's what counts is eternity. So studying to see my family saved was, it was just, you know, a burden of mine. Uh, and so, and, and for when, Paul says, you know, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved, that they might mm-hmm. be saved from eternal punishment and hell through the vicarious atonement of Yeshua, his mm-hmm. blood. And so that's, that's still my heart cry, whether it's our work in Israel, we only work with believing entities there that are really ministering to Holocaust survivors, the elderly, uh, drunks, homeless, prostitutes because um when we leave the ministers in the land are there on the ground to share the good news so still you know that's my call uh you know so that's that's really my passion and i'm so glad to meet like you and people like that i also shared with you earlier and i'll share with you again but hoctuveem.co.il. And then you can put in the different books up here. Again, these are just opportunities that we can go deeper in the word and let the Holy Spirit speak to us mm-hmm. through the original language. You know, I do have commentaries of, um, you know, of textbooks and things like that. And I do use them for resources, but truly the Holy Spirit's the best commentator to insight and i believe that he uses like you said the original language and things like that to speak to our hearts Mm, that's so true and just to repeat it was the hebrew greek key k-e-y study bible 
uh-huh. that you had um, you mentioned. And then the other one, and I'll have these with the uh, podcast, I'll have these listed. And the other one is www.hakutuvin. Is, uh, I said that wrong, but it's H-A-K-T-U-V-I-M. T-U-V-I-M dot C-O dot I-L. So there's, it's not dot com, it's dot C-O dot I-L. And that's another great resource she mentioned that you can just pull up on your phone. So it's pretty cool. These two, she showed me both of them. And I think that uh, I will be checking these out much to my husband. He's like, you need another Bible. Like you need a hole in the head. And so the things that the Lord has taught you through your life. Of course, they they help us with knowledge. They help us with understanding his word so that we can love him more, know him better. Um, I think that we can get caught up in knowledge, but it's it's if that knowledge stays in your head and doesn't move to your heart, then the knowledge is no good. We need it to move to our hearts. And, and I'm very careful about that because I think it's so important. And, and you mentioned mm. to me earlier when you wrote one of your devotionals, it was the Hashem devotional that you were, go, you were going through a lot. You were struggling at that time in your life with some health issues, some other things, but we don't always realize that God uses adversity to teach us. And to get us to a place mm-hmm. where we're willing to mm-hmm. just surrender to him. So you want to share a little bit about that time in your life? You know, after I got my MBA, I was transferred a lot. I went to work with a company, Georgia Pacific, uh, Houston. So I went Houston, uh, Dallas, Houston, Shreveport, Nashville, Kansas City, Atlanta. I lived in several places uh, selling building materials. It was when I went from Nashville, the best place I had lived, uh, to Kansas City, back to my hometown. I was, re- it was sending me back to my birthplace where my Orthodox family was. I was fearful. I, uh, felt like I was Jonah running Tarshish. I just, I just didn't want to go there. I knew I didn't. And, um, and everybody, all the principals in my company and Atlas Roofing Company Corporation who bought the division from, uh, GP, uh, they were all believers. So I knew it had the hand of God on it. While I was at the Messiah Conference, a big messianic gathering in Pennsylvania over July the 4th every year, uh, Jewish and Gentile, Jewish hearted believers there and, you know, musicians, worship artists, Marty gets, I mean, Paul Weir, well, the whole nine yards. It was there that I broke my foot. I mean, I crushed it. Dancing, the horror. I wasn't sinning. But I arrived back. Um, I arrived in Kansas City. My stuff had been put in storage. Let My company let me take a week vacation to the conference and then just immediately go from the conference to Kansas City. Uh, my stuff got moved in and I helped move it in while my foot was broken. But I didn't know it was broken at the time. And what happened is it was so bad. I had to have surgery and be on the bed for almost five months with my leg up in the air. I had to have two surgeries, in fact. And what do you do when you're on the bed with your leg above, your foot above your heart, so that the swelling would reduce, so that you could get on it again? And it it just took a really long time. But it got to the point where I knew God had a purpose for that 
broken place. And my mom, you know, I was 45 at the time. My mom was 65, you know, almost my age now. And, uh, she was making my breakfast. I mean, it was humbling. It was really humbling. I didn't want to be there, but, uh, and I didn't know it was my hometown, but I didn't know anybody within any webs of relationships with fellowship or I knew the rabbi that Messianic congregation, Shmuel Wolkenfeld. But after about two weeks, I knew that God wanted me to start collecting names of God. And Stephanie is just like you. You know, I started going through the Bible and going through any resources I could to find, um, uh, Dayspring, El Elyon, God Most High, um, Shaddai, God Almighty. And I just collected them. I put them all down. I put the Bible verse from where you can find them and a little devotional. And there was a man and his name was Richard Wormbrand and he suffered for his faith in a, in a Russian jail. He shared his faith back in, I guess, in the early sixties or something during that terrible time in history. He had written his book, Torture for Christ and Christ on the Path of a Road. And I noticed that his publisher was Bridge Logos. I mean, I'd never even heard of them, but I picked up the phone one day and I said, God's given me this idea for a book, a devotional on the names of God. And they said to me, well, Kay Arthur's done that. You know, Kay Arthur's a big name. And I said, yeah, but she doesn't have the Hebrew and she doesn't have the transliteration. Like, you know, I could even do anything beyond Kay Arthur. But I thought, no, she didn't have what God's put in my heart to do. And so they said, send us a few pages. And back then it wasn't easy like it is now to get the Hebrew font on your computer. It, it was just so tedious, but I sent them a few pages and they said, we want to publish it. So they published the first book, which was called Intimate Moments with the Hebrew Names of God. And that was one of those um moments that I realized that God can use us. He can use us when we're flat on our backs on the bed and that he makes everything beautiful in his time. So um that really began the whole educational journey for me. Although when I was in Shreveport, I did, you know, just going to the original language and things like that. So I um thought that, well, I really need to get a Bible certificate so that I can teach the Bible. Um, I thought, you know, I go to a church, I'll go to Messina congregation, I'll go to both, but I'd like to teach because I've always opening up my big mouth in a church. And so I contacted some seminaries and they all said, because you have an MBA, you can go for a PhD. And this wasn't anything I was looking for. I knew it was a call from the Lord. He never puts us in a place where things are going to fit. He puts us in a wide, big place where we have to depend on him to fulfill the call that he's put on our lives. And so that took me almost four years. Then during September 11th, I was about... 10 months into the program, 9-11. And that very first night I watched TV and then I really sensed the Lord said, hey, Barry, there's good, better and best. And I didn't call you to this. I called you to best. Get back and study. And Mm -hmm. so that's what my life became really for the the next three years is doing my dissertation, which is Christ really the end of the law. And Stephanie, I completed that in October of 03, and it just got published in 2019. So I know what it's like to be on the shelf and be on the back shelf. I mean, again, I didn't get married till I was 62. That 
that dissertation became a book. And I just talked about it at, you know, we were at the regional MJAA conference in December and I spoke on it in July, you know, but that is like my heart because what I did is I took that one word again, you and I are students of the word telos and it's uh, in Greek, it's telos. It's Christ really the end, the telos, the end, the completion. And I redefined it. Christ is the consummation of the law for righteousness because when you have two individuals and they've consummated their relationship, they've stopped being singles, but now they've got a whole new relationship. So the law in some way stops being the have to and now gets to be the get to because of our love walk with Messiah through the power of the Holy Spirit. So if the Lord quickens you to, um, Let's say, you know, keep the dietary laws. That's fine. That's something that the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. And, um, and if your husband want to do it, that's fine. You know, it's a love walk and you know, you've been married. Um, you do what you, you want to please your husband or your mate, your wife, because you love them and you get to do those things to bless them. So God gave me the idea. <laughs> For the dissertation, it was almost 200 pages on one Greek word. <laughs> um, it was a real honor to do it. But again, that was four years of just seclusion. You know, there's so much that we don't understand about the, you know, the Torah. Uh, and, and I've said this before on this broadcast, but, you know, we tend to think of it as the law, but it, it's more about the instruction. It's, it's, I mean... God's the best teacher ever, you know, and so he he's the one through his Holy Spirit. I mean, and how awesome it is that we have his instructions right inside of us, you know, like whatever we're involved in, whatever we're reading, when we're reading the Bible or or studying, you know, we've got the author of it all inside of us. And we don't always take advantage of that. He wants to teach us. And and I was used the verse. When we seek God with our whole heart, he will be found. And, you know, every day when I pray, I ask the Lord, help me see where I am deceived, where I believe a lie, where where any of these things in my life are keeping me from knowing you better and from loving you. And and boy, you know, he is faithful because he does it. And, and he opens my eyes to something and even something I'm fighting, like, it's like, oh no, that can't be wrong, you know, cause we hold on to our traditions. Right. And, and it's like, um, but no, I want the truth above the tradition and that's hard for us to let go of. Now I grew up with a lot of Jewish people in my school, um, because we lived mm-hmm. in a very, um, I lived on a farm, but but down the road was a very affluent area, and there were a lot of Jewish people who went to the same high school. But it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I met a man who was a believer in Yeshua and who was Jewish. So it was like, oh, my goodness, what are you doing here in my church? Um, so it was a big, big deal. And that was, oh, probably like 1990, maybe late 80s, but definitely almost in the nineties, but it was, there was so much going on at that time. I mean, when you became a believer in Yeshua, I mean, it was like, if I remember correctly, the whole messianic movement was going on. 
Yes. Um, my brother right under me a few years, he came to faith in 72 through fellowship with Christian athletes. Okay. He, and then my middle brother came to faith after watching passion of the Christ wow. back in 06 or 07. But my youngest brother is not a believer, but Scott and that, and Jeff, my husband came to faith in the seventies. The, I found it, the Jesus revolution. I came in right after that, but the messianic movement really began right around the beginning of the seventies, late sixties. Okay. So, and now, you know, the pioneers are going on to be with the Lord and then you look around and you say, you know, I'm the oldest person here in the room, which doesn't bother me. I'm the matriarch of my family since my mom just passed. So it's humbling, but it's an honor. And it's especially an honor if you've walked with the Lord one day at a time throughout your life. And Stephanie, too, for you to meet that Jewish believer, that man in your church is huge. Because, I mean, to me, it's like meeting a Muslim believer. Mm-hmm. It's it's fairly rare. It's fairly rare. And especially when they recognize the gift that they've been given through their Jewish heritage that they can share with the church in a way, because I would often encourage um, the people in my Sunday school class, ask me the questions, ask me the questions that you want to ask a Jewish person. Mm. And they did, they would stay, they would come to the class. They learned, we did Hanukkah, we did Passover Seders, we did Rosh Hashanah, you know, all the feasts um, because this was their faith. Like you said, you know, the Jewish roots of your faith. It's it's the 66 books, you know, from Genesis to maps, just not the New Testament. So it's exciting because Yeshua, Jesus, you know, he's in every book of the Bible. Yes, you're right. And we don't see him because we don't even know what we're looking for half the time. I mean, even the book of Nahum, which in Hebrew, Nahum is comfort. You know, Jesus ministered in the city um, in Kafar, Nahum, Capernaum. Mm-hmm. We say Capernaum, but Kafar is village and Nahum is comfort, village of comfort. How appropriate, you know, that Yeshua, Jesus, he's the one of comfort, you know, and he ministered in this, he, he ministered comfort in the city of comfort. Anyway, I just. Right. Right. And there's so many, and those I think are the cool things that we miss, you know, those yeah. play on words that even Jesus himself did in his, in speaking, because the, we were talking earlier that there was a very limited vocabulary in the ancient Hebrew. And so one word could have 10 meanings. And so they would play on these words. You had to choose the word you wanted according to what you were talking about. To me, that kind of stuff is so interesting. (laughs) And I just learned this uh, just a couple weeks ago, but but there's a word Mm -hmm. when Jesus spoke about the, let the dead bury the dead. Town was a word that was spelled very closely to the word dead. And so in a sense, he was saying, let the town bury the dead because, because it was a, again, a play on words. But in a sense, he was, he was basically saying the towns will take care of your loved ones because that was the community they live in, which we don't really understand that my neighbor would take care of my father while I'm gone to follow the Messiah or follow a rabbi. But they did. They would take care of each other. And it was a big lesson, you know, big thing to understand that because it's we tried to put our culture in the Bible and it doesn't work. Yes. So we have to get outside of our culture 
and look at it through a culture that is very, very different than ours. Okay. And that's my husband's gift mm-hmm. is always it to the original hearer, the original writer. Yes, that's what I like. That's the kind of stuff I love to hear and read. And I think that it's a it's a wonderful gift. You know, it's unfortunate and I'm not putting anybody down because God has a purpose for everybody and every everything that we do. And some people are okay with just learning just this is what my pastor teaches and and I'm fine with that. But I've never been content. I've never been content with just what I was taught. I wanted to know more. <laughs> and and um and even in school, I remember yes. just like really agreeing with the professor or agreeing with somebody. And it's like, well, I want to know why you're saying it that way. Or, you know, and I think these are good questions because we, it's our faith and it's, it's, God's still going to hold us accountable for whether we teach things correctly, incorrectly, whether we did it out of ignorance or not. I feel like that, you know, there's a certain level of ignorance that we all have and we can't, we're not perfect and we never will be until, until heaven. But but we are responsible and and i i feel the weight of that responsibility in a sense yes teachers are held to a higher regard mm-hmm. higher accountability mm-hmm. so we need to know scripture and i don't think we should ever be happy with just listening just solely to what somebody says and not seeking god about it amen so we need to be active in our faith and active in our learning. And um, and certainly you understand that because you're quite educated and a teacher. I, I'm Well, you've been teaching for many, many years. And I didn't come to it till age 50. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I'm very late bloomer in very many different areas. And again, I got my PhD at 50 and that's when I started um, my student teaching. I felt as though, you know, when you get a PhD, you just don't go out and get a job. Um, and so I thought, well, I'm going to need to student teach. And uh, uh, where I was going to church in Atlanta, I thought, well, maybe there's an opportunity here. And I contacted the director of education and uh, I told him I'd like to do a class on life and times of Yeshua the Messiah. And he said, well, that sounds interesting. When would you like to do it? And I said at the second hour, 11 o'clock. And in fact, I sent him notes for what I was going to do. And he said, well, sure, you know, go for it. And that's how everything started for 15 years. And of course, then I started teaching online after that and at university level. I, you know, I didn't get paid. I don't get paid. Um, It's just an honor. I felt like I needed to learn how to prepare lessons, learn to where do I get the resources? I mean, I'm just thankful to the Lord. He He allowed me to redeem the time and we could all, you know, I had friends, they're, they're wonderful friends, but they lamented the thing that they weren't married. And I just thought, you know, Lord, I got to redeem this time. I'm not married, but uh, maybe, maybe someday I will be, but today I'm not. And I'm going to use this time as you, you're directing me. So, and that's one thing that, you know, the doctoral program helped me with is finding legitimate resources. Matthew Henry is a great starting place. He's wonderful. And then there's Word Biblical Commentary. There's the uh, New International Commentary of the Old Testament. And then the New International, I think, Dictionary of the New Testament. So there's a lot of 
really up their resources that you can take your study to the next to the like you said about mm. you found this Jewish man and you got one of his books on Genesis. This is how you go deeper. Yes, because I do study. I mean, there are some Orthodox that I'll read and Messianic, and then and I've come across even Gentiles who who understand a great deal about the the Jewishness of Jesus. And so I gravitate towards those people because that's where my interest is. So I have a question, another question for you. So what would you say in your 15 years of teaching your Bible studies or your Sunday school, I guess, what were some of the most common misconceptions or the most common questions that you came across, you know, in those 15 years? Definitely what we call replacement theology. Uh, the big scholarly word is supersessionism, that the church has superseded uh, Israel and the Jews for God's promises. God has a plan for Jew and non-Jew. And uh, that is one of them. I would say also um, one of the things that was important for me to communicate was that Jesus was Jewish the Bible is written by almost, you know, it's almost all Jewish. Mm. We don't know about Luke, but he was a doctor. And you know what they say about Jewish doctors. So it could be Luke is Jewish. I don't know. Um, uh, but I believe that the, the Bible, the 66 books gives us facts that we can see the Jewishness of Jesus. One of the things that is just so profound to me is how Hanukkah, which is only found in the New Testament in the 10th book, of um, 10th chapter of John's 22nd, 23rd verse, how that can be in the New Testament. And yet the only people that celebrate that holiday are the Jews, where really, you know, any Bible believer can celebrate that. It says it was winter, it was feast of dedication, and Jesus was walking in the temple of Solomon's portico. So right there, feast of dedication, that's Hanukkah. Now, you might not know that, but, um, and even when Jesus is feeding the 5,000 and he has them sit down and then he says he took the bread and broke it and blessed it. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And Jews would know if I read, I mean, that's when I read it in the Bible and he blessed it. Yeah, we do that every Friday night in the congregation and in our Jewish temple, the Reformed temple, in the Orthodox shul on Saturday morning. And now we do it um, in the Messianic congregation. So there's things like that that are hidden gems that are really right in front of your face. That's why it was just such a blessing to be able to to share, like even the book of Esther. Uh, I grew up celebrating that as the, as the holiday of Purim year by year. Um, Sikhat Torah. I remember them dancing around and getting little itty bitty Torahs and dancing around with those in the congregation, you know, in the sanctuary. So it's things like that, that we sometimes the church, and I don't want to be disparaging of all at all the church, but they don't know. Because many churches are New Testament. Oh, I know. And it's true. And I challenge people who are listening to listen to your pastor and every week make a mental note of which book of the Bible they're in. And you will find that they stay 
for the most part, there are always, always exceptions, but for the most part, every pastor I've ever been under stays in the New Testament. And when I wrote a book on the book of Hebrews, as I'm reading Hebrews, it's like, this is full of Old Testament. And I couldn't help but go back and forth. Like you literally need two Bibles when you're doing my Bible studies because you're going to have one open to the Old Testament and one open to Hebrews because you're going to keep going, flipping back. And there's stories that he refers to from Exodus, from Numbers, from Leviticus, and from the Psalms. And and it's like, oh, it's it's and Genesis. I mean, it starts in Genesis and it's the whole Torah, and then and then you get into some of the writings and prophets and within Hebrews, within that book, he takes you all over the Old Testament. And and it's amazing. Yeah. And that's where I was just you know, it's like, okay, Lord, you got me here. You got me because this this is amazing when I'm learning. This is just like, I'm learning so much of the Old Testament that no one else had ever taught me. It was my studying. It was yeah. my finding people who would explain it online, on YouTube, whatever. And it was like amazing. It was very eye-opening to see, like you said, Jesus is in the Old Testament. He is there. And when you start studying it, you see it and it's so clear to you. And it's like, he's always been there. He's always been. Like you to communicate that, that message. I mean, he does. This is great. You definitely have that Jewish spark. (laughs) Not everybody has it. I hope the people who are hearing this, you know, that they, they get, you know, not just the excitement, your excitement, my excitement, and your hear your heart and your testimony and and your love for for the church, for the the messianic congregation, for the Jewish people who are Orthodox. They are our mission field. It's not just the United States. I mean, we've got a mission field in Israel. We've got a mission field. We just reached out to Jewish people everywhere in the world. So it's important. I mean, God loves all everyone he he made us but he made us specifically for different reasons he made us to not be like everybody else and but and but that's what holiness is right it's not to be like everyone else set apart i think just getting in, involved and understanding the mission field that the lord's given us and in your own personal mm-hmm. gift in that mission field that's because we all have different gifts mm-hmm. And it's using those. And and you talk, I mean, you go to Israel often because you have, that's your mission, part of your mission field. Yeah. In 87, I was in between jobs. I had just got my MBA a few years before. I had an opportunity to go to Israel for almost a month on a program called Volunteers for Israel, where you serve as a soldier, you live on an army base and it's grunt work and it's very difficult. And I did that for almost a month. I cried every night for the first half of the program because it was so hard. And you slept in a place with six or seven or eight other women. And it was just very difficult, but God was, he was adequate for my every need there. And then I went on a couple of tours. I organized and gathered people for three tours, but it was in 06 where the church I was in in Atlanta asked me to be the team leader to the mission trip to Israel. And there were seven of us and everything kind of changed. We were supposed to just work in Tel Aviv at a distribution center and kind of help it. That fell by the wayside, but God opened up all these other doors of like, we bought some toys and took them to kids in hospitals. It was just unbelievable. 
the Lord did this uh, rechanging in a way that when the church decided not to go back in 08, I began a 501c3 uh, to specifically serve Israel and uh, to love God's people in God's land. That's our mission statement. Uh, Jeff, my husband, said that tours take people to where uh, Yeshua walked yesterday, but Sar Shalom, Israel, takes people, pilgrims, to where Yeshua walks today. So we connect with believers in the land. We want individuals to to really engage, to just feel a part of Israel. Because when you're on a tour, you're in a bus, you're in a hotel, you're sequestered. Um, and we want individuals to to really experience Israel. Not all of it, because you'll never see all of it. I've never seen all of it. But we really want people to see what Yeshua is doing, what Jesus is doing today in the land, because it is exciting. I bet it is. I mean, and there is persecution that goes on there, right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You know, you cannot share your faith with anyone under uh, 16 or 18. And um, the ministries with whom we work, uh, they take what we call gospel bus trips and they'll take like 40 uh, individuals from uh, survivor home of the Holocaust, those survivors, take them out on a bus, go to a museum or the Dead Sea, and they've come under fire. So, But those are the people that we really strongly like to support because they are doing, you know, this pure work of the Lord in Israel. And uh, right now, Israel is in a change of the guard, changing of the guard regarding going from someone, uh political party, a little bit more liberal to now Netanyahu, who I like, but he is uh, connected with the ultra-religious right now. And so the ultra-religious could affect the automatic citizenship laws, the Aliyah laws, or they could put a stop in, because there's already been communication mm-hmm. about the hatred towards the LGBTQ people, you know, the alphabet mafia people, um, which is a conservative, you know, that's, that's in line with our biblical values. So it's real interesting to see um, because I've seen it in years past when uh, Gentiles have tried to get their visas renewed. They have to get them renewed every other, every other year when they don't live there, when they're not citizens. And that could be a challenge. So, and I've seen um, people that have served in the land be sent back to their original country just because of the politics. So uh, I I don't believe in speculation. I'm not going to speculate, uh, but it will be interesting to watch. And I like Netanyahu. Uh, he was my, he was who I wanted to get in. And I don't care who he aligns with because the Lord is going to intervene in the ways of men. He's going to, will be done. And, uh, so that's why, especially in this right. hour that we're in when things are just so woke and so crazy, the more we can stay, you know, the more we can stay right in the word, that's going to be the best place for us. And that's really, what I intend to do this year is just stay in God's word as much as I can and just stay built up in the faith. Amen. That's right. We need to. And the Bible tells us it's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. And we can already see that, you know, we can already see those yes. things happening 
we have no, we don't know if we're in those birth pains and where we are on this prophetic timeline but but we do know that things are changing around the world and we need to be in the word and we need to be on our faces and in prayer amen so well thank you so much that you are here with me today and um i know you're a, a busy woman and i appreciate your time and anything you'd like to say as you we go no i'll just do the ironic blessing and closing how's that oh beautiful okay and i'll sing it first in hebrew and then english May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you grace and grace. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Seha Elohim in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Lamb of God. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Grafted Jewish Roots of Christianity. You can find me at www.graftedjewishroots.com. You can also find me on Twitter at GraftedJewishRT. I appreciate you being with me, and I'll see you next time.